What is up, ladies and gentlemen, that watch this fine show? We're back for another episode of Teen It Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor, as always, with my co-host, Flatty. Flatty, another great week of sports, another great week of topics. Um, you know, when football ended, I felt like we were going to be dead. We're not dead. We have football to talk about in April. We have playoff hockey. We have playoff basketball. There's a lot to get into, but first, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, work's going well. Got a, got a nice short week this week, so we'll have the Friday off, and we'll see what I do with my weekend. Um, outside of that, I feel like last weekend was kind of like the epitome of crap Michigan weather, so I just kind of stayed inside and watched TV all, all, all weekend, so nothing really notable there. Um, but overwhelmingly doing well, so I, I can't complain. What about yourself? Good, man. Yeah, like you said, just waiting on that weather to turn. Um, I'm halfway done with finals, two down, two to go. So when's the next one? Really look at uh, Thursday night. So we got one Thursday night and then mon next Monday morning and then we're done. And then I'll have a week off before I start working again. And then I'll ba be back on that nine to five life. So, so what, the next time we speak, you'll be a free man. Yes, a free man. And, <laughs> and I purposely didn't give myself too much time to go back to work because I uh, I have a hard time finding like when I am free stuff to do. But I am looking forward to the six days. Not completely free because I have the big all the big like extracurriculars, their tests for to get into their things are that week after finals. So I have to do that, which is kind of what do you mean by test to get into things? Like, is that like the next level of classes or no, not even classes. It's like law review and like the mock trial teams are like, you have to take tests to get into them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nothing. They're nothing crazy. They're just yeah. like, like citation stuff and stuff like that. Grad um, school goes better. Never stops. Yeah, it doesn't stop, but I am excited. I, you know what? You're an adult and too old for school when you're like looking forward to going back to the nine to five life. Cause that's kind of <laughs> how I feel right now. Oh dear. Well, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll reverse that decision three weeks into work. Yeah, definitely. Know, I don't do this anymore. I'm out. <laughs> definitely. But, um, yeah, so that's it. I've uh, been playing some good golf, hoping to play some more good golf as the days go on. Let's get into some ports. Let's do it. What do you want to start with? Let's start basketball. I think, uh, I think it's kind of a faster um, recap. There there was not as much excitement, not as much quote-unquote upsets as maybe the hockey games. I know there were multiple game sevens that you're, you'll, you'll want to go in-depth in about. So just to kind of recap the first round, um, Celtics took care of the Hawks in six. Should have been five, but Atlanta stole one on the road. Nothing really there. Knicks versus Cavs. Knicks hammered Cleveland 4-1. Suns gentlemen sweep over the Clippers where they give them game one, give them some hope, and then it's goodbye in five. Nuggets beat Minnesota in five. Um kind of the and then I guess maybe the three big ones, um, the Heat and the Bucks. Boy was I wrong here. Um playoff Jimmy Butler is a maniac, dropping a hundred points combined in the last two games. Um that was crazy. It, I mean the one seed, the best the best record in in the NBA getting whopped for Yeah, I feel like that's not like as much as the Bruins, which we'll get into, has been talked about, I feel like it's not talked about enough that in five games the best regular season team just kind of poof. Well, that's because that's because Giannis is probably their star because he was hurt and because he's a little likable, so people don't want to make fun of him. But did you hear his quote? His quotes. Yeah, I hated it. I I thought it was stupid. Soft. 
I, I I mean, for those who didn't hear it, it was something along the lines of, oh, this season wasn't a failure. I mean, you look at Jordan, he won six titles. Does that mean he failed every other year? Some other stupid stuff. And it's like, while technically I understand his stance, it's like there can only be one winner. And because social media and because human, like, I guess where we've reached in sports where it's like, if you don't win, it's viewed as a failure. But when you're the one seed, when you're the best record in basketball, you don't get to play by that rule, or you you have to play by that rule. You don't get to sit there and be like the, the you can't be the Cavaliers who right. were a lottery pick team, made a couple trades, bet on some rookies, and they they probably to sell themselves. You know what? Obviously, we would have liked to beat New York, but this was not a failure of a season because we were the four seed. We showed some promise. We have something to build on. You're not that. You're already established. You won a title two years ago. You're considered the best player in basketball. You, I understand you missed two games. I get that. That that's not an excuse for the other two games where he came back and got beat both times with epic collapses. So I I completely disagree with this quote. It's one of those things where if he hadn't won a title already, after those quotes, after a performance like that, you'd be like, well, this guy's just not a winner. Yeah, like this guy, uh, like he's good player, just not a winner. Not a dog. That's, I think that's actually a perfect way of describing it is because he has that validation of already conquering it once. It's kind of given the pass. But you're right. If, if this was a Luka Doncic coming out and saying that, you would just look at him like, yo, like you're a bum. But I even think I even think it's even le- it makes him it, it proves the point in that he's won. He's won once and he's content with making those comments after not after being upset and having an absolute failure of a performance. In the yeah. playoffs. I know him personally, maybe not since he missed some games. But as a team, so I don't know. You you look at some – I'd like to get into someone who has that dog in him. Uh, you talk about Jimmy Butler, but move on to someone else and Steph Curry in that series. Let's, yeah, uh, let's do it. Um, this was um, this was the best series to watch. It's kind of a shame that there was a pair of anticlimactic games to end it, a couple of blowouts mm-hmm. in six and seven with the road team taking it. But, I mean, you had the Kings hammer Golden State game six and then get hammered game seven. Interestingly enough, the home team won the first four games and then lost the last three. Um, but yeah, Steph Curry put in an, an absolutely superhuman performance, dropping 50. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say the same old stories if he's the best shooter ever and he's this, because we know that. I just, what, what the most, for me, what, the most out of this is kind of the leadership quality where Steph's kind of been that he's always been that quieter guy I mean he leads by example not through talking but then the stories came out that after game six I mean you had the the late night text messages between him and Draymond followed by the next day he gets up in in front of the whole team which apparently he rarely does usually it's just like they said shows up first to the to the practice facility leaves last and everyone kind of says hey look if he's going to put all that work in he's a four-time champion he's Steph Curry who am I to not do that he got up there and he was like, guys, look, um, we're going to get on that bus. And if anyone gets on that bus, I take that as a, as a binding agreement that you're willing to do whatever it takes to to win. We're not going to we're not going to lose this game. We're not going home here. Um, I think there was something along the lines. Of, I think it was Jordan Poole and I think Jonathan Kaminga directly were called out as players who were unhappy with their performance or not performances with their minutes in that series which is odd because jordan Poole gets a lot of minutes mm-hmm. um and he didn't back it up at all he had an atrocious series i might add um but yeah he i mean led by example i think that was the biggest thing out of that i mean we all know he can score 50 we all know he's he's due for those big games in the playoffs um 
Last year, he kind of squashed that, oh, he can't win without KD. He's never been the best player on his own team, this and that, that those BS rumors. So it was amazing to watch. Um, and it's just, it, it's absolutely absurd the way he shoots the basketball. Yeah, he and you talk about a soft, soft-spoken guy, and I think people don't really associate him with talking about that dog, that competitor in him. I think it's the combination, like you said, quiet leader. He's kind of does the mouth guard and smiles and shimmies. And it's yep. like very, very well liked, kind of like a Giannis seen as like this, like this uh, uh, puppy to the media, I guess <laughs> you would say, for lack of a better term. But he's one of those guys, four titles. You look at not only one of the greatest scorers, but one of the better playoff performers now. Yeah. Um, he continues to do that. Uh, my last thing on this series that I wanted to ask you about was Draymond Green's comments about the Sabonis stuff. Um, I, it's rather ironic, like coming from Draymond Green. I get, I get it, and I get the point, but like, it's just like, how much like can you talk, Draymond? Like, come on. He, so I, I agree. Um, I, I saw those comments today. I didn't really care much for him because. Like you just said, who who really cares? It's it's. I feel like I've gotten to a point where I'm kind of numb to Draymond's talking. But I will say, as long as they're winning basketball games, he's going to keep talking and he's going to keep getting justified because, I mean, he's got four titles. Um, he's one of the greatest defenders basketball's ever seen, and I don't think that's a hot take. Um, mm-hmm. he he, the way he can facilitate, the way he can kind of effectively. I mean, not really much so much so anymore, but when they were kind of in the early stage of their dynasty, he could still score. Um, I know after, I think it was game five, where he dropped 20-something points, and well, I think one of our friends is like, was that his play, Was that his career high? And it's like, no, he used to drop 30-plus. Like, I'm not going to say seldomly, but it, it also wasn't often. But he could score. I mean, I, I remember looking back at those 2015, 2016 finals games. I mean, he was dropping 35-point triple-doubles. He... Mm. And then I think he kind of realized, wait a minute, I'm playing with the two best shooters of all time. Why am I going to be shooting this ball? That would be stupid of me. And so he kind of changed his game. But no, as long as he as long as he's winning, he's going to talk because that's who Draymond Green is. Um, And I guess we'll see how long it carries him. And speaking of winning and talking, let's get to the last series, which features somebody who talks and doesn't win and is going to now be unemployed and in China. The Lakers beat Memphis in six. Um, Dylan Brooks is an absolute clown, clown of the week, clown of the month, clown of the every week. We didn't pick a clown of the week for the last eight months. Um, Trying to smack talk LeBron when you're Dylan Brooks is not a good idea. Um, I also find it ironic. He asked for, he's like, I don't respect guys who can't drop 40. And then Memphis goes and loses by 40 in game six. Um, and then I think what made it even worse is he ran away after saying all of this stuff. He was unavailable in the media for games five and six. Um, he, I mean, he said all of this stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, this, oh, yeah, that. And then they get blitzed two games in a row, and it turns into, well, I'm not going to talk to everyone. I'm going to run away from the arena. You're not going to find me. And, yeah, it's just – I guess the last note I really had about this was shame that Jaron and uh, Xavier Tillman are on this team because I really want to root for them. But Dylan mm-hmm. Brooks and John Morant make the Memphis Grizzlies one of the least likable teams in basketball. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that so that kind of feeds into a uh, the Lakers Warriors is going to be a fun one. Obviously, LeBron and uh, not only the California thing, LeBron, Steph, whenever they get together, obviously yep. the history of you know eight to four years ago that they basically played in the finals every year. Yep. Um, it's going to be fun, and I think it's going to be. It's, I'm going to try since it is going to be during my free week here for the hmm. most part. At least the later part of the series will be. Um, yep. To watch but it's tough too. like golden state was sacramento was a great series all these games starting at 10 o'clock it's just so hard for us in the east coast especially on a school night or a work night whatever you want to call it now yeah no it's it's brutal um i personally i'm gonna i'm gonna try and tough it out because like you say this is this is probably the last time they face each other in the playoffs. Yeah. The factor of going back to when we were not necessarily kids, but when we were younger and we watched them effectively run the, le- the league for a four-year yeah. stretch. Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly excited. This is once again, my kind of my series of the, of the series of the, of the round, I guess that, that sounds terrible, but that's, that's what I'm most excited for. I mean, to kind of preview the other ones, I mean, Celtics 76ers, should be cool, but I just don't care enough about the teams. I mean, Philadelphia went and stole game one last night with great no game. Joel. Oh yeah, with no Joel Embiid. Um, I saw Hart. I saw kind of the last couple minutes, and then Harden. Yeah, Harden shot. Um, just hoof. Yeah. That was just That's... a straight. Just like that was like if it were possible for me to stick this pen like into your eyes and that's what exactly what he did to the city of Boston. Just like <laughs> straight up, not even a step back, just stepped into one from downtown. Didn't even hit the netting. True. Right. I yeah, no, that was awesome. Um, I will say though, I do think Embiid has to be healthy if they want to win yes, this series. I it's, agree. it's all cool stealing one, but there's no I, I just don't see Boston ruling over. I think they are a better team without Embiid. Um Knicks Heat. Um Heat stole game one on the road with no Julius Randle for the Knicks, and then Jimmy Butler got hurt and is now out for game two. I mean I guess it'll be an interesting series kind of battle of the mid of the teams where I think whoever wins that series will be the underdog, regardless of who wins the Boston Philadelphia series. Um, I, I want one interesting note is uh, New York in their history is 0 and 7 in playoff series where they lose game one at home. So we'll see if history repeats itself or if the law of averages finally comes through. Um, and then Suns Nuggets. So um, Nuggets are already up 2-0. Um, we'll see what happens with the Suns' reaction when they get games in their home court. Um, and I, I don't really know much more to say about that. It's, that's kind of one of those series that, like Lakers and uh, Golden State, it's at 10:30 every tip-off, and yeah. I just don't care enough about Jokic and Durant to watch them play at 10:30 to 2 a.m. So haven't watched much, but we'll kind of, kind of follow it. So. That's kind of my wrap-up of the NBA. I'll kind of leave it up to you to take over for the NHL before we get to the draft, which is kind of the, the big thing. Yeah, I won't take up too much time with the NHL. I'll kind of cover the big topics. Um, lots of storylines in the NHL so far, whether it's, you know, suspensions, all the freaking penalties that they've called, uh, a team that hasn't been out of the first round since 2004, making it out of the first round, the greatest regular season ever, team ever, to losing in the first round. So those are kind of the highlights. Uh, there's three series, I think, that shocked – not necessarily shocked people. Wow, it's a big hit. Uh, Toronto, that's where I'm going to start. I hate Toronto. They're one of my least favorite. 
probably one of the least likable. The, the Dallas for people that don't follow hockey, think about Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think that suits them to a T as far as their fans and their situation and not winning anything, but still being quote unquote the biggest brand in the sport, most valuable franchise in the sport. Uh they play Tampa. It goes to six games in three or four games where they kind of, I think most people would say they got outplayed. They found a way to win and they're not a Leafs team of usual. Um, I got roasted on Twitter uh, for kind of commenting like they did this, but they had a bunch of it. They basically acted like they won the Stanley cup. I mean, it'd been 19 years since they made out of the first round. You think you could eventually. I mean, the Buffalo Sabres have been out of the first round. The Detroit Tigers have been to a, two World Series in that time. Like, thing, like you haven't even been out of the first round, and they're acting like they won the Stanley Cup. They're just a despicable fan base. I can't say enough about them. I hope they lose. They're playing Florida right now. Um, but anyways, great series, physical series. Uh, Toronto was the better team. Weird for Tampa because kind of the crux of them losing the series was Vasilevsky not being particularly good. He's kind of notably been the best goalie in the league over the last probably four or five seasons. Uh, he was not particularly good in the series. Um, they had injuries the whole series, and Tampa was just not Tampa. That's a lot of hockey to play. They they won uh, two cups and then were lost in the finals last year. Yep. So they've been going deep for the last three years. That's a lot of hockey to play. I think it, it's caught up to their core a little bit. Um, so maybe they'll they'll get an extra you know month here as opposed to what they've been getting, maybe even more than what they've been getting the last three years. I know I know you mentioned that a lot last summer, kind of talking about how they effectively played an extra season worth of hockey in their kind of playoff runs. So, you, like you say, that that's just kind of the wear and tear. Right. Uh, the next biggest storyline, I think, probably the biggest storyline for most people, is the Bruins. Uh, the greatest regular season, the most wins, the most points of any team in the history of the NHL. They blow, they not only lose in the first round, but they blow a 3-1 lead uh, in which their captain came back for game five, Patrice Bergeron, first ballot Hall of Famer, and they proceed to go 0-3 with him in the lineup. Uh, shocking, the goaltending was not great. They just like, didn't I, like I don't even know like what proper to say besides like they didn't have it like they just like didn't have their a game the entire series not necessarily that they got outplayed I mean they went to overtime of a game seven which is the greatest thing ever uh, I was I'm not a fan of either team and it was nerve-wracking just to watch that uh just knowing that like the season is over on the next time the, the puck gets to the back of the net here um credit to Florida Matthew Kachuk is super special um, they're playing Toronto right now. That's the battle of the two best American players in Austin Matthews and him. He was special in that series. Uh, interesting situation for Florida moving forward. I think they're frisky. They play physical. Uh, they have skill guys like Barkoff and Kachuk, like I mentioned, uh, Anthony Duclair, like go big physical guys like Gudis. Goaltending's a bit of a situation. They had a got career minor leaguer kind of win the job late in the season, and he was horrible at the beginning of the series. Uh, and they moved to uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, who they paid $10 million to. That's the highest paid goalie by almost $2 million. Um, he's been uh, benched like in the three years that he's had that contract. He's been lost his starting job pretty much every year. 
Um, but when he's on, he's good and he's been good. So he, he's starting this game in game one. So it's just kind of, I'm optimistic. I like to think that the Toronto will choke it, but like, I don't know with the goaltending situation in Florida, if they really have a chance to pull any more shockers. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last storyline I wanted to mention was the defending champs going down uh, to the new franchise in in a game seven. Um, Colorado lost to Seattle in in game seven, two to one late goal in the last couple minutes by Seattle. Seattle's a nice playoff team, to be honest. I know I said earlier in the podcast that I didn't really think they had enough firepower to really be a playoff team. They were kind of like one of those cat, like the Cavs we talked about earlier, a happy to be there organization. Um, but they got this nice mix of like good, just good, solid players that play as a team. And that's the kind of game that wins in the playoffs. Not frankly, like just running gun style, like the, like the Bruins per se. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Colorado was massively injured. Again, Landis Gog missed the whole season, missed most of the season. McCarr played injured. I, I think it was something like Rantanen or McKinnon had scored like 60% of their goals in that series. Like they just really like they really, really didn't have the firepower, not only in the lineup, but just like the, and that's a credit to when you win a Stanley Cup, you can't keep the whole team the next year. Part of that is is guys want players from good teams and they're willing to overpay for that in any sport really yep uh and i think you saw that and they did lose some of their depth scoring some of their depth players and that they 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 still brought back the core and the core is still going to be there for a while uh with mckinnon ranton and landis gagas signed long term even though he missed most of the year mccarr Devontae's all signed long term um but you you got to win a cup you have to win in the playoffs with depth like i said earlier with the uh, Seattle thing. So uh, I wasn't crazy. So I was surprised, but as the series went on, I was not as surprised uh, with that. Those are the big storylines in hockey. I mean, I could sit and bore you with Dallas and Minnesota just playing two one games and uh, really wasn't that exciting. The Islanders and Hurricanes is not a, really an exciting finish. Also lost in, in an overtime game seven. Um, but yeah, I, one thing I'll comment before we move on to the draft is Every single series in the first round went to at least six games. And I think all but two of them went to seven. So that just speaks to what not only playoff hockey, if you're not a hockey fan, I really do encourage you to like, if you have some free time and aren't doing anything and just like turn on the games there, even if you don't understand hockey, they're entertaining. Um, it's one of the best playoff sports. I think that there is even though I think the regular season product has severely diminished over the years, um, that that playoff hockey is still there. Oh, last storyline, the freaking Rangers lay the absolute goose egg. You come out in a game seven last night against a young, inexperienced team. You signed Tarasenko, Kane. You have all these veterans. You were there last year in the conference final, and you lose 4 nothing. You come out so flat. Jack Hughes coming down on three freaking breakaways in the first two periods. Man, that was frustrating. I root for the Rangers. That's an absolute egg. If you're a Rangers fan, talk about failures of a season. Um, Giannis would probably be saying that their season wasn't a failure, but that's a failure. You signed Patrick Kane at the deadline. You got Tarasenko at the deadline. You brought back all this core that was there last year. You have all these skill guys, all these big names. You're the freaking Rangers at MSG, and you come out and lose 4 nothing in a game seven to a young Devil's team that hasn't won shit. Anyways, 
let's move on to the draft. Let's do it. Um, how do we how do we want to go about this? Do we want to start with the Lions specifically what they did in the first couple of rounds, then move on to the highlights, or do we want to go the other way around and save the Lions for the end? Let's save the Lions for the end and kind of get those highlights out of the way. Okay. Uh, away, just talk about draft day as a whole, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have uh, written down the most of the first round picks and then a couple of the notable few uh, later round picks. Um, so, I mean, I guess we can start kind of at the top and maybe just run down. Um, Bryce Young, yeah. pretty obvious choice. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens, how his size translates to the NFL. But it, again, it's you needed a quarterback. You traded up to get one. Um, I like how they went and got Jonathan Mingo in the second round to kind of um, supplement and give their rookie a nice receiver to grow with as opposed to just giving him a couple of older safety blankets that'll be gone in two years because they're 70 years old, um, i.e. Adam Thielen. But I think, again, it, I think it's it's a good pick. I think I'm a little nervous because because they traded so far up from nine, um, they end up with no first-round pick next year, no second-round pick in 2025. So I think it becomes a little bit tougher to rebuild around him. So you need him to really be that kind of number one pick. Yeah, but I also don't think like you're – they're, like you said, they were the ninth overall pick. They're not coming into it as like bare bare bones as some of the other teams that's, that that's fair. draft quarterbacks at one and two. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, C.J. Stroud, number two, another obvious pick. I know there was the rumors that Will Anderson would go here because they didn't like the quarterbacks, but you can't – We like we said, you can't roll Davis Mills out there for one more season. So yeah. after Young was gone, Stroud was the obvious second choice. Um I think he lands in a good situation, and I like how the Texans kind of have picks around him to build. Um, they have all of the Cleveland first rounders for the next two years from the Deshaun trade, a couple other, and a couple other uh, future picks in the later rounds. I mean, you have a left tackle in Laramie Tunsil. They signed Dalton Schultz in uh, free agency, so you kind of give him a nice security blanket tight end. And going right into the next pick, Will Anderson. Um, I think this is something that. We all expected that he might go at this spot, but I don't think anybody expected it to be the Texans again. Yeah, like we talk about headlines. This is number one for me is the frisky Texans. You go out, you get your quarterback. Then you go out and get the second most second most important position in the modern NFL. We're going to talk about teams not really going with position value. That's position value. And that's going and getting your guy. And it's a rare thing to see the Texans do something exciting and good. Usually off the field, they uh, are fit, notorious and famous for, quote unquote, screwing things up. Yep. And it doesn't seem like that's what this is going to be. Obviously, we don't haven't seen it either. These guys playing the NFL yet. But. Yeah, no, you know, it was interesting because it almost seems like it seems like a it seems like a Madden. move. I mean, you don't see yeah. teams trade up and go pick two and three. That's that's something you do when you're playing Xbox by yourself because you think it'll be fun to get all like the nice young rookies. I but, think it was the first time a team had two picks in the top five since 2017. Damn. All right. Well, next pick. I mean, Anthony Richardson, another obvious pick when it comes to position. I guess it could have been Levis, but he ended up falling. Um, I actually do like the fit in Indianapolis for him. I think Indy is a team that battled a lot of injuries last year and they do have some kind of some pieces. I mean, Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, Quinton Nelson, Shaquille Leonard on the other side. So 
They didn't have to trade up to get him. It's not like they were afraid that someone would jump him at three, and so they had to give away picks. So I, I do think this is a good place for him to kind of develop. But give, <laughs> given Panthers the, scored, sorry. No, that's good. We, we don't like Toronto. so. But no, given that uh, they didn't trade up for him, and given that I don't really think they have a signed veteran on their team, I'm not sure. They might be rolling with Anthony Richardson as a rookie day one starter, and I'm going to have to kind of advise against that. I don't know if he's really ready for that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is uh, It seems like, yeah, there's going to be some tools, but as far as the actual player, uh, it's a it's a known bit of a project that all the raw skills are there, the body's there. Uh, it's accuracy and all those problems and actually system like actually systematically being a good quarterback that is the worry um and to throw him in year one like you said i i'm not sure if that was the guy to do that you were looking at him for me he was the guy that you end of the first round maybe you trade up for in a situation where he's going to sit out a year um that's kind of what i had in my head for him so I mean, I wasn't like like you said. I wasn't surprised that the Colts went quarterback. I was a little surprised that they went with Richardson. Yeah, um, I don't really have much more to say because again, we'll see what happens. Maybe just maybe the playing is good for him. It maybe it's maybe it's better to learn from mistakes year one and then maybe take a high draft pick into year two and get him get yourself more help whatever with whatever happens. But as opposed to sitting out a year and learning from the from behind i mean the best the best way to learn is experience it's not to be taught something so i guess we'll see but pick five this is kind of where i think uh the draft really went uh bizarre and it kind of started throwing everybody for a loop um devon witherspoon going to seattle i think this completely tanked whatever plans the lions had i agree um i think seattle once again screwed us um but no, he you know, apparently he's a great player, and I I think I read some reports that a lot of scouts had him as a clear CB one and actually one of the better players in the draft. So, I mean, I guess good for Seattle getting someone like that. It's just unfortunate that it completely threw us for a loop. And after that, yeah, but did you want a corner even if it was him? Better than what they did at twelve, in my opinion. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I didn't want corner, but I never thought running back was a possibility. We'll get into that. Yeah. But going down to six, um, like I said, uh, I think this is where the pit, the I was gonna say the pit, I think this is where the the Lions panicked a little bit. Ended up trading with Arizona to go back to twelve. Um, personally speaking, I think even the economics I didn't like the trade. Um, only getting a second round pick while also having to trade away a third round pick. Not really wasn't a fan of that. For six whole spots, it wasn't like you were moving down six to seven or six to eight. Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't a fan of that. And, the, I mean, yeah, Arizona takes Paris Johnson to protect Kyler Murray. Um, he kind of – I think he emerges the clear tackle one as the draft procedure went on, and as Peter Skronsky maybe got dubbed more as an interior offensive line as opposed to a tackle. Um and I mean, not much more to say there. Um, it's a smart pick for Arizona. They, with their trade down from three and then back up, they they ended up, I mean, keeping most. Of, they ended up keeping a lot of picks, and so that'll be good for them because they're one of the worst rosters in football, and they're going to need all the help they can get. Um, to seven, Tyree Wilson. I would have liked to see him at six, to be completely honest with him there. But I know that there's the foot injury um, that's kind of lingering, and 
it looks like one of those i think the, the term is lisfranc or whatever and it's one of those where it like doesn't heal properly or something and that we don't know the medicals if, if his foot is screwed and he can't play so be it you know whatever but i i, I still would have liked to see him um it's a good pick for the raiders win now team can kind of try and save McDaniels' career. And I guess if it fails and McDaniels gets fired, at least that's still a good building block as a defensive end. Um, to eight, Bijan Robinson. You want to take this one? Yeah, what the hell are they thinking? Like, what stupid franchise has ever – It's. I mean, this guy just has to be worried about one thing and one thing only, and that's ticket sales, Yep. which fair enough. But you know what the long-term investment in a franchise does? It gets you more ticket sales. A better team's going to get you more ticket sales than, than a tight end at four, a receiver at seven, and then a running back at eight in back-to-back-to-back years. Who's going to throw them the ball? Who's going to throw any of these guys? The ball? Who's going to block for these guys? Who's, who's going to make sure that these guys aren't on the aren't on the sideline the whole time? Yeah, no, um... I completely do not understand it. Um, I guess, like I is... said, I, we kind of talked about Bijan and that he might go relatively. We, I think, we had him going at ten, but it, like to a situation he could go this high, yep. to a situation that where you 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 feel you're a playoff team and this is the position that takes you over the edge, like the Eagles did. And guess what? The Eagles didn't even need to take one in the draft. They took DeAndre Swift from the Lions once they figured out the Lions thought that they were the next Super Bowl champion and that their Super Bowl team was ready to go, apparently. Um, I don't get it. I don't get I, I I see so many people try to argue against position value once they once a team doesn't do that. But it just still doesn't make sense to me because you look at the teams that win and they actually take position value. The one thing I will say about position value, I, I again – I'm in your side where I think it completely matters, but I would be willing to make exceptions for position values if it was certain things. For running back, running back doesn't matter. Running back is the least valuable non-special teams position in football, and it's unfortunate that that's what happened. That's how the sport evolved, and these guys effectively get beat into the ground for four years on a rookie deal and then discarded like a can of Pringles. It's a shame, but that's just how it is. We, we don't get to complain about it. We have to do with that. And again, we'll get into this with the Lions. I do not understand it. Um, to nine, Jalen Carter. I mean, talk about position value, getting probably what could be the best player in the draft at nine. Um, I mean, it's the perfect situation for Jalen Carter. I mean, he's a kid who supposedly has red flags, who has character issues being able to surround him with veterans like Fletcher Cox and his college teammates uh, yeah. who hopefully want the best for him and or not hopefully guys who are like, ha let's go do stupid things together in Philadelphia. But that is absolutely, in my opinion, the best possible situation he could have gone to and probably the worst possible situation he could have gone to for the rest of the NFL. The, the Eagles had the third most amount of sacks in NFL history last year, and they added two edge rushers. We'll get to the second one later. Or two defensive linemen. One an edge rusher, one an interior disruptor, like that no one's really seen in a draft in a while. So incredible pick by them. Um, that's another guy I would have loved at six, but I guess if the red flags are there and you feel like he's going to destroy your culture, so be it. But God, I'm yeah, sure. I'm just very, very surprised that the Lions. Like, I know the Lions are kind of all about culture with the current regime, 
But uh, like, I'm just very, very surprised that he was not on their board at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I I've said this. I don't really care who I'm gonna invite to my birthday party. I care how good he is at football, and he is very, very good at football. So I would have picked him. But again, we, there are obviously there might be stories we don't know. That's why they're the GMs. That's why they have the interviews. They have they hire the private investigators to dig into this dude's life. There's no, I'm not I'm not gonna if they feel like he was undraftable, so be it. But I would have loved him. Um, Ten Darnell Wright, a lineman to protect Justin Fields, pretty obvious pick for them. Yep. Maybe they would have liked to have gotten Paris Johnson, but he ended up going ahead of where their pick was. Um, it may make sense. You know, you have a you think you have a quarterback, you make you make sure he doesn't get killed. Um, Eleven Peter Skronsky. I think this was an incredibly smart pick for Tennessee. Um, there was the rumors they were going to trade up for a QB. There was this. There was that. I think them getting a lineman for a team that needs so much help. Um, I think this was a very, very smart pick by them. And they ended up, uh, the QB thing ended up working out later for them. I disagree with that, but I'll tell you, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. Um, After that, I'm going to skip the Lions picks because I kind of want to do those in order by themselves. So I'm just going to go to 13. Um, Lucas Van Ness. A very typical Packers move. You know, you had rumors of JSN, and then it's like, well, the Packers are allergic to first-round receivers or first-round running backs, so they're not going to take one. They didn't. Um, But not much to say there. Um, 14, Broderick Jones. I think this is someone we had actually mocked to the Steelers uh, in our no-trade mock um, when we did it last last, uh, week. So I guess kudos to us, but... For me, the funniest storyline with this pick was the Steelers trading with New England to jump the Jets. Yep. Bill Belichick sticking it to the Jets saying, you know what? You don't give a tackle. We're going to give it to someone else. And it's not like we're picking it. We're going we're gonna to have someone else. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like – I feel like over the years, just because of the prominence of both teams, it's not like the Steelers and Patriots are all buddy-buddy. I feel like no. there's a little bit of animosity, especially with that catch-no-catch no catch at the goal line with the – what was it, the tight end, James, whatever his name was. But, yeah, I mean, at 15, Will McDonald, um, I think this is where the Jets kind of landed in the no-win situation. Um, I think all of their possible targets, Skronsky, tackles, had all kind of been thrown off the board. They clearly val- or they clearly feel like their wide receiver room is good enough with the additions that they made. So there was no receiver talk, which – maybe could have been a good idea considering you have Rodgers and you got to go for broke now. Um, but yeah, not much more there. Um, 16, Emmanuel Forbes going to Washington. Um, this is a very Washington pick. I don't really know what they're doing because you're too good for the number one pick, but you're not remotely close to good enough to competing for a division. So you're just kind of standing there in, in purgatory mode if you're Washington. So cool, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Christian Gonzalez at 17. This is where the Patriots traded down to. I think this is kind of a good trade for them. Um, some people did view him as a CB1, so if you're getting him at 17 after two corners have already gone, good for you. Um, again, skipping 18, we'll talk about it. 19, Kalijah Kansi. I think this was a good pick for the Bucks. It's kind of similar to the Tyree Wilson one where, you know, if you feel like you can win now, which 
they that's what they did in their offseason moves, bringing back Levante David, bringing back some of their older players, not trading away young guys, even though you're going into a season with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask as your quarterbacks. <laughs> if it fails and you suck, at least you have a building block. Um, if it works and he's a great player, good for you guys. Um, I just don't think it will work for him. At 20, um, this is kind of the start of the run on receivers, JSN. Yep. I love the landing spot for him. Um, playing alongside DK Metcalf is going to be an insane one-two punch for them. And I think he's like the perfect Tyler Lockett replacement. Yeah, they're one of the A's of the draft. especially. I feel like there's in my head, we'll talk about a team that didn't get it, who had to, who counters this premise. But I feel like if you have two picks in the first draft, I usually in my head go, oh, they had a good they had a, they had a good day, for good night for them. Like, yeah. just purely on the premise of them having two picks, but they were both two good picks that made sense. Yeah. Um, following the receivers, Quinton Johnson going at 21. Um, I actually think this is probably also another good landing spot for him. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are kind of – Keenan Allen specifically is kind of winding down his career. Um, yeah. He was a Band-Aid last year. Um, a nice big body target for – for uh justin herbert so i like that pick for them um say flowers going in 22 the ravens re-signed lamar to the richest deal in history you might as well give him some help so i guess good pick for him 23 jordan addison kind of a whatever i, I feel like the fit there with uh jeff or i feel like the fit there with justin jefferson is a little weird because they're both kind of the same type of receiver where I think maybe a Quentin Johnson big body guy would have fit better, but obviously they didn't get a chance. Yep. Deontay Banks going to the Giants. Don't have much to say there. I mean, it's nope. just safe pick, I guess. I don't know. Um, Dalton Kincaid being the first tight end taken, help for Josh Allen. You're about to pay the dude a fortune. You might as well give him all the help he can get, so I guess good pick. Um, yeah, I, I good pick, but like I don't completely understand it. Like They do have Dawson Knox, who they've I believe kind of committed to. I think like, you're right. Actually. They, I'm pretty sure they did sign into a long term deal. So that's what I mean. So like, like I don't 100 percent get the tight end, but I guess you like having two doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, that's actually I kind of forgotten about Dawson Knox. So I guess, and then I know last week when we talked about the mock, we kind of said, hey, um, Von Miller getting older, maybe you can find another edge player here, another defensive lineman to kind of keep building. If we're in the trenches where it matters, but you know, if they feel like Kincaid's what takes them to the next step, they're certainly in a position to do that. They're one of those teams where it's, hey, we think we're one player away from the Super Bowl, so we're going to go take him. Mm-hmm. Um, 26, Mozzie Smith. I actually think he's going to be a pretty good fit in Dallas. Um, kind of a nice inter- Texas has an open carry. <laughs> so funny enough, let me know when, when you can see the uh, or if. I kind of, I basically wrote for him. I'm like, he's gonna love the Texas gun laws. <laughs> yeah, no, not, I, I do... not not talked about before the show, people. Yeah, but um, I I I do think also football wise, he's a good fit for him. Um, kind of being an interior player to go alongside the Micah Parsons off the edge. So I do like I, I do like that fit for him. Uh, 27 Anton Harrison tackle to protect Trevor Lawrence makes sense. Miles Murphy. Good pick on the Bengals. Maybe you could have taken a tight end here if you felt you got if you felt that was kind of what Joe Burrow needed to take the next step. But it seems like between Higgins, 
Chase, Tyler Boyd's still around. I mean, Joe Mixon, they took a rookie running back, so it seems like they do have enough weapons there. Yeah. Just Can they get over the edge? Maybe they thought defense was how they needed to do that. Brian Brzee going at 29. I think this is a great pick for the Saints. Um, they seem to be in a win-now mode. You give Derek Carr that contract, you play in a very, very weak division. And if that's the case, you might as well go help out Cameron Jordan, who's not getting any younger. So get him some defensive line help so he doesn't have to do all of it by himself. Nolan Smith at 30, um, another kind of Howie Roseman-esque pick. Big guys to protect your quarterback or big guys to murder the other team's quarterback in the first Richard round. Player. What? Oh, that too, Just yeah. The the Georgia, the Georgia Eagles or the Philadelphia Bulldogs. But I do want to highlight one thing for Howie Roseman. So he is into year, I think, 15 or 14 of his career, and he has never taken a running back. He's never taken a safety. He's never taken a wide receiver. And he's never taken a he's never taken a corner in the first round of the draft. Devontae Smith was not a first round pick. Wait, hold on. Nope, you're right. Oh, uh, tight end, T- tight end, running back, safety, corner. Okay, that was so the that stupid was... visit, like the yes, like the... oh yeah. So effectively, yes. Howie Roseman is kind of my uh, my alter ego, and I wish he was kind of our GM in the sense that I love the way he builds his teams, where it's like I just said. I'm going to get big guys to protect my QB. I'm going to get big guys to murder your QB, and we'll deal with the rest of the flashy positions later. And it's worked out pretty well for him. He's got a Super Bowl. Yeah. He was he, he's been to another. They they look set up for the foreseeable future with Jalen Hurts and kind of that young core. Um, he's made some good trades. I mean, you added DeAndre Swift, which if DeAndre Swift decides to stay healthy, which who knows? Maybe he yes. does back home playing for a winning team. Maybe he finally decides to actually run into somebody instead of running out of bounds. <laughs> but we'll see. And then last pick of the first round, uh, Anudike Ujama, the hometown kid from Kansas State. Um, it's a luxury pick. You know, you're, you have Patrick Mahomes. You can do whatever you want. Um, yeah. It does help Chris Jones, given Frank Clark has gone on the defensive line. So I guess a good pick there. But going to the notables kind of later on, um, I'll just kind of highlight some of the ones I had. I don't know if you have any, but Joey Porter Jr. going to his dad's team. Um, I guess that was kind of cool. Um, I know after that, I think the next pick after or two picks after was Will Levis. So I'm gonna, I am gonna I kind of want to give you the, the floor for a bit, and then I'll kind of counter with why I think it wasn't the right move. Uh, I think it's the right move because if you weren't going to get like it's the opposite of the Lions situation where you trade. I guess they they didn't trade back per se the Titans, but you didn't trade forward to get one of the big three. I guess they become quarterback wise. You know that's a position you need to address. So instead, if you in your head you know or you feel that he's gonna fall, you wait and you you pick up guys higher on your board right now in the first round and get the position later when he's actually supposed to go, unlike the Jameer Gibbs in Detroit, where I think it just was a need and he's the next best quarterback on the board that you already took care of something you needed a little more in the first round. So I would technically agree, but another thing that I don't, or that another thing I agree with is I'm of the opinion where if you're not going to take a quarterback at the top of a draft, you shouldn't take one at all. Um, Okay, My thought process of this is, um, if you look at for every Russell Wilson and every Dak Prescott that gets found in the later rounds, there is one Malik Willis, one Ian Book, one Connor Cook, 
won this. I, I just say that for every person from the mid-rounds who succeed, there's 10 that fail. And again, prime example is what they did last year. Took a third-round pick on Malik Willis, who they've already given up on. And he never even got to play. Yeah. Not to mention, everyone expects the Titans to not be very good at football. So let's say the Titans suck, and you end up with a top-four pick next year. What, are you going to go take another quarterback with Drake May and Caleb Williams? Right. Take quarterback three straight years? So that's where... I'm of the opinion where if you're not, if you don't feel comfortable enough to take one in the first round and specifically higher in the first round, I mean, I guess if you get later on, so be it. Okay. But if not, don't take one. Another thing is why wouldn't they trade back up into the first round to do this? I mean, if you traded to 33, the price could not have been that much different to trade to 31 and you would have gotten that fifth year option. So now they only have them for four years. There is no option and we'll see what happens. So that's where, Maybe it works out. I just it can. Again, Russell Wilson, Prescott, Kirk Cousins, players have obviously succeeded from the mid rounds. I just think that I don't believe in doing that, and that's why I don't think that was a a great pick by them. And I'll kind of talk well, about that. I think the there's a difference between the first couple picks of the second round and yeah. like a fourth or fourth round yeah, pick that, like that, that yeah, was fourth that, round, that's true. Um, and the last second round pick that was taken quarterback wise was Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Oh, again. Um, I, and I know I, that you talk. So I just think there is a like even classifying him as late round, I think is a like, yeah, a later round, but I think there's a distinguishing factor between him and maybe a third or fourth round pick. I fair. do agree with you on the point of, and I also think the even kind of going to counter my point, but the second round part of it is it's lower stakes for him. There's not like he doesn't come in with the same amount of pressure. It's lower stakes for the team where you are, you don't have to be as like, you can kind of do it. What, I know it's shitty to do it two years in a row and it doesn't, doesn't look good, but like you can give up on him earlier too. You, you didn't. That's true. Yeah. You didn't uh, the same kind of investment into it. So I'm just yeah, saying I, the grass half full of it. That's fair. Um, I, I, I can agree with that. I just think that, if they really believed in him, and if, if Will Levis was really someone they thought can take him to the next step, you probably would have traded into the first round on Thursday night and gotten the fifth-year option. Um, is yeah, I'm also kind of like, yeah. I doubt Will Levis in general, so the player. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're all in agreement there. But the next player I kind of highlighted was Michael Mayer, solely because he went one pick after we took uh, Sam Laporta. Um that was one where I think a lot of people were like, well, is why why didn't we take Mayer? Because Mayer was kind of the guy that had more hype coming through. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't really put too much stock into it. Um, Jaden Reed going to the Packers is kind of unfortunate because that's another guy that we can't really root for now because he plays yeah. for a direct division rival. Um, I also think it's a pretty good spot for him to end up in because, I mean, Watson and Romeo Dobbs are not really established wide receivers yet, so – he could realistically come in and carve out a role as as high as wide receiver one, more more likely wide receiver two right away. So right. that that's good for him. Um, I guess I I've, I've got three more players highlighted. I took uh, Juice Scruggs. He was Houston's center pick at sixty two. I don't know anything about him except for the fact that he has the greatest name of the draft. Yeah, Juice that's pretty crazy. Scruggs. Now, do you think his parents named him Juice? I don't know, but I hope so because that is that is first team Hall of Fame name. That's amazing. So 
I'm I'm gonna be a big Juice Scruggs guy going forward. Um, and then the the last two players, uh, Jake Moody, uh, yep. taking a kicker in the third round is ridiculous, crazy. But I guess when you're the 49ers and you're loaded everywhere, that's what you do because you can. I would have loved. You're talking about a late round quarterback. That's a team that makes sense for a late round quarterback. Like they don't know who's going to play quarterback this year. Why not? Like Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's seeing ghosts. I like that's going to be a legit issue. I think um, yeah. that people seem to not want to talk about. But that's a team that make. I get that they had like did they have like three out of four picks to end the third round, or they had two or three yeah. picks. It was like three in a row through compensatory picks and through the uh, the developmental picks for hiring for having people hire. Uh, black coaches from them yeah and we we talk i talked about uh will levis having lower stakes for the team and himself being a second round pick jake moody being a third round pick as a kicker comes in with tremendous pressure yes stakes and expectations yes and Um, following up robbie gold robbie gold was a solid right for Um, a long time there yeah no i would have loved for detroit to have him but the earliest i could have seen i can justify taking a kicker is probably the fifth round he went well before that so there was, I guess, a never really a possibility. But in the last person was Keely Ringo, um, just because I wanted to highlight the Philadelphia Bulldogs once again. Yeah. Um, them trading up into the fourth round just so they can take another Georgia player. Um, I mean, Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, DeAndre Swift. It's it's amazing the way they're they they do this. Yeah. It's almost like George. It's almost like taking players from the best team in college makes your NFL team good. Yeah, I, I wonder mean, how that logic works. I would just say the one thing I I don't want to go that far yet because I I don't really think either Davis or Nicobe Dean really played massive roles last year. They were still True. kind of the rookies learning from the vets. So we'll see how the Eagles progress once the Fletcher Coxes of the world, once the James Bradberries of the world, once the Hassan Reddicks, the Lane Johnsons all and Jason Kelsey all move on and they've kind of taken over as that next generation. They'll certainly have the experience. They'll have that winning mentality. They've been to a Super Bowl, so that'll help them. But I, I, before I say something like that, I would want to see how they perform as the key contributors in a team and not just, oh, I was on the roster because I got picked. Uh, the Lions took Let's a quarter close. or took a running back at 12th overall. Uh, I hated this pick. I still don't like it. Uh, it's like not it's not even like that you had him high in your draft like like everyone try is trying to justify it in some way but it's like you could have taken him at 18 you prop pro, like like maybe not i i do believe some of what Brad Holmes said in that like teams were like oh we would have taken him soon anyways that maybe he wouldn't have been there in the early 30s but like you could have taken him at 18 you could have gotten something you needed a lot more. You have two running back. It's not even a position you necessarily needed either. It's not even like you had you had a weakness there. You just paid a running back six million dollars a year to play running back for you, and how you go and then draft his replacement two months later. Maybe they view him as DeAndre Swift's replacement, and Montgomery's still a key piece. So be it. But no, I mean, first of all, I do want to say I know a lot of people hate it when you criticize somebody they like 
like I'm allowed to criticize uh, I say Dan Campbell. I'm allowed to criticize Brad Holmes' pick. People are like, oh, you can't do that. You gotta trust Brad. Trust yeah. the process. Like, shut up. I do trust the process. He's earned the right given what he's built in the two years of what he took. But I can still say, hey man, no highly drafted running back has ever contributed not has ever, but has contributed to winning football for the team that drafted him in years. Years. Yeah. I, it's like, and that's the thing. The, the, the next thing people do is they start twisting your words. They're like, dude, but Jameer Gibbs is amazing. He's one of the best prospects ever. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not denying that. He's probably the most polished pass catching running back to come out of college since McCaffrey. He's got amazing speed. He's a joystick in the open field. Guess what? He plays a position that doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. The Chiefs just won with a seventh round rookie. I understand they have Mahomes, but they get to do that. CMC, another guy that we're, we're comparing him to. He was so good in Carolina that he now plays for another team. Saquon Barkley, has he ever played meaningful football? No. One, one playoff game. No, um, and, that, and that happened this year as, yeah. his, as his rookie deal ended. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott made a couple playoff runs behind a team that was loaded. Did he ever win some games for him? No, they always lost. And there's always the, like, and I do think this is fair too, in that like if you really wanted the running back position, if that was your priority, why not Bijan? Bijan's an, is is even the best prospect since yeah. like Christian McCaffrey. Like yep. years since we've seen a prospect running back prospect like Bijan. He went eighth, so clearly other teams had him going that high too. That it wouldn't have been that crazy to take him at six either if that was really the position you wanted. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that. Uh, the other thing is you talk about other prospects. I mean, this was the deepest running back class that I've ever seen as kind of like a functioning adult. Who knows the last time? But I mean, you found starters in the fourth round, in the fifth round, and they'll kind of they'll kind of grow their way up. This was I, – I, I didn't understand it, um, and I, I, I can't support it. This is just one of those principles that I can't do. Um I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to root for him. I'm going to root for the Lions. But I cannot support a running back at 12 when your team still needs so much. And I think that's the other point you mentioned where this signifies you think you're ready to win now. Yeah. Let's compare ourselves to San Francisco. Nope. Yeah, nope is right. San Francisco has better weapons, an equal if not better offensive line, a better head coach, a better defensive line, better linebackers, better safeties. I mean, better I mean, kicker now. Second, what? Better huh? kicker now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but I mean, maybe not better secondary with all of the additions we had in free agency. But you look yeah. at all that. Is a running back how you're going to get over the top of that? No. Look no. at the Eagles. The Eagles have the most stacked roster. They got a better QB than we do. They got a equal if not better line than we do they got better receivers than we do they got a better tight end than we do they have a better defensive line than we do they have a better linebacking group than we do and their secondary is probably equal if not better than what we have howie roseman now maybe it's a principal thing or maybe he just realizes hey i can continue to build my team like this and i can go find deandre swift for a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick swap why don't you go go let some other team draft a running back, suck with him, 
and then you go take what's left of him. I just, I cannot support running back in the first round. I can't. No, yeah, I can't. And I think it's a, I think it's an inclination of uh, Lions fans and the Lion state of the Lions. I think people are slightly ahead of themselves and don't realize that before this team did go on the run, uh, that they went on at the end of the year, they were a one and six team at one point. Uh, this is not like a for sure. This is not a lockdown for sure playoff team. They should make the playoffs. They should win ten games. It's not a for sure team though. They're not a lock. They're not there yet. It's still next year, the year after, hopefully. I I completely agree. It's it's disappointing. Um, to eighteen, um, Jack Campbell. I originally also hated this pick, but I think that was my anger from the Jameer Gibbs pick still being there. I've kind of worked my way to a point where I understand it and I kind of accept it. I still don't know if I agree with it per se, because inside linebacker is at 18 specifically is maybe a little bit higher than that position is worth. But Jack Campbell was apparently clearly rated as the number one linebacker in the draft. So I guess if you're going to get him, who cares if it's at 18, at 20, at 25, at 30, at 34, or at 300? If you think yeah. someone's the best at their position, and it's a, it's again, it's not as, it's certainly not as useless as running back. Yep. It's also not exactly a defensive end. Um, but I've seen people call him Luke Keekley. I've seen him, I've, in like, I mean, if you got Luke Keekley, that's amazing. But I guess we'll see what happens as we, uh, as, as the, the years go on. But, I'm 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 understanding. I, I I don't really. There's not really much more to say for me there. That's one like yeah. The Campbell pick is one like where I'm like okay. I this is where you like Brad Holmes has earned like my trust in a pick like that. That I trust that that that's his guy. That that's the guy they wanted kind yep. of thing. As opposed to the running the running back has no justification no matter how much trust I have in him. Um, tough look. I don't know if you've seen the clip on Twitter. Uh, of Blake Corum ab- absolutely breaking his ankles. <laughs> yeah, it's, I did see it's, that. It's brutal. Uh, it's the first clip I saw, of course, with all the Michigan bullshit that comes in my feed. Um, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, no, I mean, I will say I'll defend him. I mean, in an open field like that, there's not many linebackers that'll make that tackle. Maybe there's not many that'll look that stupid because he did really just kind of flop down and fall. Yeah. Um, but I, I am not going to sit here and say, oh, a low light means he's not a good player. I mean, if we look at highlights like that, we can make every player look like Lawrence Taylor and every player look like a pro grocery bagger. So right. not going to not gonna put too much into that. But on to the next pick, Sam Laporta at 34. Wasn't really a fan of this pick either. Um, in a deeper tight end class. You, I, I don't know. Again, I don't. I'm not talking about the way the rankings work. I just think that in a deeper tight end class, I do think there was bigger, bigger ways that the Lions can improve their team. Um, again, I, I mentioned Michael Mayer earlier. He was kind of perceived as a better tight end, yet we still took Laporta over him. Now, I will give Laporta some some credit. He played with the worst quarterback at any level of football in America, in Spencer Petras. Um, he also had maybe the worst offensive coordinator since Dave Warner in Kirk Ferentz's kid, Brian Ferentz. And he still managed to drop, I think it was 700 yards. I think he was almost two fifths. I think he was almost 40% of Iowa's passing production is one. Player. So again, I, I, I don't like 
the pick. I don't. I I like the player. I don't like the pick. Um, that's one thing that I want to establish that I feel like I said earlier with the running back thing. People just can't seem to distinguish between the two. They see you criticize and they start making up scenarios to justify yelling. Yeah. Um, You're not allowed to like Jameer Gibbs if you don't like picking Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's like, well, I disagree with that, but you know, I I, I know you're not the one saying it. You're just to 48, Brian Branch. Good pick. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, we had him at like 18 in our mock drafts. Yep. So. No, I mean, he. Uh, I think I said it. He's effectively a CJ Gardner Johnson light. So if we don't end up resigning him, whether he wants too much money or if it doesn't work out, this is a great person to kind of sit behind him for a year, learn the tricks of the trade, and then kind of jump into a safety slash nickel corner role. Um, I, I, I like the versatility. And he was probably my favorite pick of the Alliance draft. Yeah. I don't have much to add. I, I also like the branch pick. Uh felt good. You know, you see a guy like this is how dumb my brain works. You see a guy like Howie Roseman who only drafts Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama kids. Uh, so it feels good that like after drafting two Iowa guys that were doing embarrassing embarrassment to the Big Ten last year that seeing an Alabama guy goes makes me feel like a little better about the state of the lines. Just <laughs> simply funny. off that fact. That's funny. Um, to the next pick, this is where we kind of had the discussion of the principal, but now we'll have the discussion of the player. Pendant Hooker, yeah. 68. Um, I don't like this pick either. I didn't like it. I talked myself into not hating it, but like just purely because of the battle of like, why, why not? Like just, He's not going to play next year. Like, he's a project anyways. But, like, then I was like, I don't really think he's that good. He had one good year at age 25. Like, and then you could have, like, 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 we keep saying, there's still flaws in this team that need to be addressed, even in yep. the third round. Yep. So, I mean, you can get some pretty decent interior offensive linemen in the third round. That's where Jonah Jackson came from. Mm-hmm. We're going to be looking at a hole at right guard pretty soon because Vitae's got one year on his deal. They signed Graham Glasgow to one year. So realistically speaking, there's no guard on this roster after uh, next season. Or we're missing one of the guards, and the other one's going to want to get paid a lot of money because he's good at football. So we'll see what happens there. Again, my principle is I don't like the mid-round QBs. Um, for every Russell Wilson, there's a Connor Cook, an Ian Book, a Matt Corral. There's just guys that – don't do much and the yeah. other part that i don't like and this is and this is maybe where i'll kind of attack the player a little bit and maybe it's not hendon hooker's fault but he is 25 years old soon to be 26 he's not playing next year and if jared goff does his job he's not playing the year after that either yeah and if he doesn't and at that point jared goff will probably have been re-signed so that means hendon hooker's not playing the year after that and the year after that yeah that's he it just kind of brought back into my head the whole quarterback thing is now you're looking at to the point where you draft the quarter a project in the late rounds that golf is your guy for this this year and probably next year. And if this is your window here in the next one to three years, that means you're not gonna be bad enough to draft a decent quarterback replacement. So you're stuck like like it or not, I think it the cards are playing out where you're stuck with golf no matter what. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world, but that's the cards that how they've played. Yeah, and so um, the, the 
further thing that I would say is, I mean, no fifth-year option, it's third-round pick. I don't like that because, realistically speaking, it might be half of his rookie deal over with right. before you even get to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, the other issue is I think this kind of, from the fan side more so than the from from management, obviously management's smart enough to realize what he is, but the second Jared Goff has a bad game, you know what's going to happen to social media. Put in Hendon Hooker. We drafted a quarterback. Why not put him in? It's like, well, because his knee is still broken. Yeah. And maybe because he's older than Jared Goff. Now, if they took him as solely a backup guy and, like, they don't ever expect him to be a starter, you know, backup QB is something the Lions have never had. Even back throughout the Matthew Stafford years, anytime he went down, it was David Blau and my dad and my grandfather. I mean, so how many teams do have a backup quarterback? So maybe three or four in a given season have a good backup situation. I would say it's a little more than that. More than that. I mean, like I, name I, I, three. Name three good backups. Jameis Winston. Um, I would go with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is the classic one. Tyrod Taylor was a good backup before his lung got punctured. Um, yeah. <laughs> Justin Herbert's career started with the doctor going bam. Yeah. Um, right on the sideline. <laughs> no, um, I would probably say, I mean, Mariota. Oh, McCoy. Be, I mean, Mariota can be a good backup. Yeah. Um, I mean, Geno Smith was a good backup until he became yep. a starter. Yeah. Again, I would, I would, I'm not going to say four, but you're right. There's probably at any given point, there's probably half, half the league had like, I mean, Trubisky was a decent backup. For, yeah. True. And, right. I, and when I say backup, like, I don't mean someone where you're going to come in and hope to God that like, oh, he's going to take over. It's not going to be JT Barrett coming in for Cardell Jones coming in for Braxton Miller. It's not going to be like that. I mean, let's say Jared Goff injures his wrist and has to miss three weeks. You need a guy who will make sure that in those three weeks, you still have a chance. You yeah. need a guy that makes sure that I I can I can win a game with you. I can win two games with you. I can tread water with you. We're not gonna fo- we're not gonna swim perfectly together. We're not gonna navigate the storm with you. But if you can get me to the point where I can get my guy back, that's what I need out of a backup. And maybe that's Hendon Hooker's that's the entirety behind his thing. If that's the case, so be it. I just I think you could have done that in a different way. Um, I think you're, you're, like I said, like you said, you're giving up on starters. You're giving up on potential picks that can help you in better ways right now for a window that you think is right now. Yeah. So don't really like the Hendon Hooker pick. Um, the last notable pick for the Lions, um, Broderick Martin, defensive tackle out of Western. I was hoping for defensive line. Obviously, I was hoping for it much earlier, but. I do, I do like it. It's kind of a big nose tackle run stopper. Um, not really something we have on this roster. So if he can maybe play that Snacks Harrison role from a couple of years back where you come in and you just plug the middle of the, the, the field and they have to start trying to run around him and ending up at Aiden Hutchinson's arms. But I, I don't mind the pick. I just probably would have addressed it earlier. Yeah, he, uh, all, he tests. Horribly, I think I can bench two twenty five more than this three hundred fifty pound kid. Are you so, serious? No, I mean, he put it up like eighteen times, which is horrible for them. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought you were gonna say like he came out here like a rookie Kevin Durant, where he couldn't get it up once. <laughs> Dude, I hope. I mean, he weighs like three fifty. I hope he can do two, like half his body weight. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, in the last couple picks, not really going to go into it. It was offensive lineman and wide receiver in the fifth and the seventh round. I mean, obviously cool. it's Brad Holmes. Show he, me. he always finds guys, so maybe they turn out to be players and contributors, but we'll see what happens. But overall, um, I'm not like I, I know I just sat here shitting on these picks. The Lions did fill positions of need, which is good. They're they're a better team now than when they were a week ago before the draft started. That's usually the concept of a draft. You want to get better. Yeah. That's good. I just can't support the order in which they address those needs. Um, obviously, Brad Holmes has earned the, the right and the trust factor. He gets to make whatever decisions he wants because of what he's done here. But again, we already again. I just I can't get behind myself supporting the way they the way they went about it. Um, I'll I'll kind of give you a leave it to you as the overall, but yeah, no, I think the worry that we both have is like we I think we do value positional value out of picks specifically in the first round, and I don't think Brad Holmes necessarily does from the no way he doesn't he's drafted the last couple of years. Absolutely. He's very much inclined to he thinks he's right, he thinks he knows he's got his guys, and it worked out last year. He had a great draft last year. Let's see if you can continue continue to do that because that's a super skill if he can do that year in and year out. And I'm not going to sit here and say if he can't do it this year, it's a complete failure, especially after last year. But I, it's a it's a hard strategy to like get behind with limited precedent. I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe again, the one thing I have to kind of told myself as a, a reassurance factor is. Maybe Josh Paschal and um, Levi Anzarike are are actually healthy and they're going to be playing next year because, like I said, I, I think defensive line was a, a bigger need than most people maybe wanted to give it credit for. But if those guys, I guess, are healthy, those are two more bodies that you can throw in and play consistent time. So we'll see what happens. But, again, overall, the Lions got better. Did they get better in the right places? We'll find out during the season. I'm incredibly excited for this year. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that after I've criticized my GM. Yeah. Don't shoot me. But, I mean, we're the favorites to win the division. We're the fourth odds to win the NFC. I don't think the Lions have ever had money on them like that. So, this is. And I have a future on them to win the Super Bowl. Ooh. Oh, you're donating money to the to the sports books. No, no, no. <laughs> I, haven't, but, I haven't been gambled in it, like, since the Masters. Nice. But, yeah, no, that's, that's all I really have. Um. I'm not going to say – I don't really want to do draft grades because these guys haven't – yeah, okay. yeah, I mean, these guys haven't played yet. Like, what what am I going to say? They, they pick some guys and they, they make the team better. Like, cool. Yeah. I so, That's fair. We can start looking at draft grades a year from now. We'll kind of look at 2021's draft and the year after we'll look at 22 and then we'll see, hey, how'd it go. But I don't have much more for this episode. I know we, we went a little – long i think it's probably an hour we're coming up on an hour 15 so i'm kind of excited you know another long episodes around the draft and kind of just talking away but i'm i'm all set i've got nothing else to add unless unless you want to bring up a, a topic or something rolling down the field down the field we go to lions victory that's how i'm the show Goodbye, everyone.